Welcome to the 301 Podcast, the interview podcast for the hottest up-and-coming entrepreneurs, artists, and creators. Real, authentic, and inspiring. And here is your host, Marcus Engel. Let's get it started in 301. Welcome back to the 301 Podcast. In this episode, we finally talked about the hot topic, blockchain, with none other than Rorik Deboer. He became interested in blockchain by age 16, sailed around the world, and we talked about why his parents could be millionaires if they would have invested into his idea. A lot of topics to uncover, but let's get straight into it in 301. Today we venture out into the crypto and blockchain world with the one and only Rorik De Boer from R&M Blockchain Company. Uh, welcome to the 301 podcast. Thank you. And we have uh, a lot, a lot, a lot to uncover today. You founded five startups in the last three years. Uh, you were part of endless councils, advisory boards, and so on. So I think it's a really, really nice episode for everyone who is listening right now. But before we get into all of that, uh, maybe you can give a quick introduction about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Yeah, yeah. So my name is Rorik. Um, I uh, encountered with the blockchain and Bitcoin industry uh, when I was quite young, actually. Um, so we started, uh, I was with a friend, we were, I think we were 16 or 17. Bitcoin was just for the first time, it was somewhere in the news or on Reddit. And we, we were intrigued by this, this phenomenon. We, well, we didn't really understood it, but it was volatile. Uh, prices were going up and down really, really fast. And we wanted to get in and, um, well, it took us quite some time actually to wire some money to an exchange because back then the UX UI was not that good and uh, finding an exchange, well, with ideal or something for just a Dutch bank, it wasn't possible. So we had to borrow the credit card of our parents <laughs> to, to and say, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. I, I wire you the money and then, yeah, I can use your credit card. <laughs> And, um, but in the end, it, we managed to, to get some money on the exchange, buy some Bitcoin and, uh, start trading. Um, and that was really cool, but, uh, we weren't very good at the trading <laughs> stuff. We were just, uh, yeah, well, th it was the first asset we, we held and, uh, we started trading and during our math, uh, classes, we, we were sitting there and uh, trading and uh, our mobile phones were not that fast. So we always missed the good points. And then uh, all of a sudden our money was gone <laughs> uh, or most of it. And we decided that trading was not our forte. So yeah. to say. And uh, we had to find something else. So we opted for our um, high school thesis, the Profilwerkstuk in Dutch, um, to write a Bitcoin bot to make a trading bot and uh, just let the bot do the work. So we weren't, uh, uh, well, the, we, we, it was not us trading anymore on emotions, but we just created a bot. That was really fun. But the most fun part of it is that it challenged us to get into the technology and, uh, and dive into that. And we were amazed by how smart it was and how different it was from what we knew. Um, and the bot we built, it worked on the, in backtesting. So on the historical data, it worked fine, but then when we actually activated it, it did nothing. So, uh, that was also not the, the, the outcome. Um, but it kept us in this 
idea of, of what blockchain is and and the introduction for us to the to the technology and to the community uh, mm. and we both uh work in it today still so uh, i think that was a good one that's amazing yeah and and how how was it like for you guys like uh, you you just said well i just discovered it on the internet like why did you why did it caught your attention like in this uh, how old were you 16 or yeah i think i think i was 17 and my friend was 16 still and um Yeah, we were just surfing on the internet somewhere and there was this advertisement. I believe it was sort of an advertisement for Bitcoin and we looked into it and uh, um, we looked into it and then we were like, oh, this is really cool. This is something new, something we don't know yet uh, and something that the others don't know and 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 everyone on, on Reddit is talking about it. So, or mm. everyone, we, we found a select group that was talking about it and uh yeah we we were just intrigued by the the volatility and 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 that people made money out of something that was digital something that should was to promise to the, the promise was that it would replace money mm. and uh yeah i think it was a bit of the childish decision to just put some money in and see where it goes um but that I think is is what you need sometimes to, yeah. to just make this decision. Yeah. And how did your parents react to, hey, uh, just use our credit card and the, the money being gone? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that, that that was actually fine because we just wired the, the money to our parents' uh, bank account and then we could use the credit card and the credit card companies, well, that's their thing is that if you get scammed, they save you. That's the sort of the, the promise, of course. But then the next question from our side was when when our trading didn't work, the bot didn't work. Uh, we needed we needed to find something in this technology side of it. So we said like, hey, this is really cool. There's this new mining device where in, which enables you to mine Bitcoin on a, on a really high scale. And um, because our laptops couldn't mine, and um, but it was five thousand or ten thousand dollars to buy that machine but if if you lo just looked at the data you could easily have a good roi on the, on that machine and we uh, we asked our parents like hey hey dad can i borrow five thousand euros to just buy this machine and well they laughed at us and said we're crazy and uh, we shouldn't be thinking about that crazy stuff uh, too too much and uh, they're still sorry for that I can't imagine. Today. Wow. <laughs> I mean, they 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 would be probably millionaires by now, right? Yeah, then then me and my parents and the parents of my friend and my friend we could all could all be already in Ibiza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, I love it. I love it so much that in your introduction you go straight into a uh, blockchain and yeah, uh, straight yeah, into yeah. it and uh, you can really see that you have a big 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 passion for it. Yeah. Um, and I think we will uncover many, many more stories about blockchain later. Yeah. Uh, before we get into it, I uh, want to talk about your first working experience. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Bleep. I yeah. think that was one of the the first startups that you that you worked for. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that was really cool. The 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 Bleep was a, a telecom provider, so it just sold SIM cards, um, and they had the ambition to create a product for children. So in the in the in the uh, telecom industry, there was not a thing like uh, a good service uh, um, 
subscription for children. So most of the, the kids back then had a prepaid card and you were, your parents gave you money, put some uh, credit on it, or you had a subscription, but kids were not able to keep within the subscription. So the, the costs were very high for many parents. And uh, Bleep decided that, well, there needs to be a, a new kind of telecom provider. Some, something for children, something that's sort of prepaid, but also sort of subscription. And they dis designed this product and pitched it to a group of children. And the kids all said, oh, this is the same scam as T-Mobile or KPN or, or all, the, all the big parties are mm. providing us. Um, so yeah, this doesn't work. And then they said, okay, if you don't agree, then well, go develop it. So they just hired five or six kids of between 13 and 16 to design a telecom provider. And it grew into a very big environment with a lot of creativity. We At, at the, the, the peak, we had about 80,000 clients, I believe. Um, yeah, and, and the, the, the cool thing was that besides the, the, um, the telecom part, it was uh, an office space where what was which was open, so people were just walking in all day. And well, if if you had a cool idea for for a new venture, then you walked into the office of Bleep, and you found some cool other guys, and you could pitch your idea, and they could provide you serious feedback. And uh, they started doing pitch evenings and and all that kind of cool stuff. And they just said, "This is our office. It's open. Come here." Uh, do your thing, drink our coffee, be creative. And uh, I think of all places I've ever worked, it was the most open atmosphere uh, you could imagine. And besides the telecom party, it, there were ventures popping up every day almost uh, just from people that were walking around there. And mm. yeah, that was really, really cool. Yeah, it's really nice to see also like if uh, I mean a lot of the listeners uh, cannot see you right now but you get really yeah. like excited and <laughs> yeah, like you yeah. can really see kind of like the fire in your yeah. eyes yeah. but what made it so special then was it the combination of the the young generation like really working on something serious or like this openness or like what what did it make so so special in the end yeah I think the the, the most special part about it was that the responsibility was with the children and the, the founders, they felt that uh, children are more than capable of developing and designing and everything that comes with running a venture. But in most ventures, the children don't get any responsibility because they are just children. And if you give them this responsibility, they will just go build it and go make it. And they are not afraid to put in the work. Uh, and uh, I think that was really inspiring that you could see and feel that young people that have no experience are more than capable of a, a lot of things uh, as long as there's a bit of supervision and a bit of tips and tricks here and there and, mm. and let let you, let everyone help each other. And uh, I think that was the it, it, one of the best environments to just come into your entrepreneurial lifestyle and just during work in your breaks I was learning how to code just because I saw some kid in a corner coding for this company and I thought ah that looks really cool if you can code as a kid how cool is that or designing and it just well was such an 
open and good atmosphere and that mm. yeah the responsibility for the children that was what made it really special there yeah super cool maybe also a concept for the future right yeah 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 it's it's something if if i'm in the position to open a space like that then i would be really really uh, well humbled if, if if that's the opportunity i can get so uh Yeah, if if that's a possibility, then uh, I'm all in. Yeah. Was that something that you tried to um, recreate with uh, TIFF 2? Yeah, yeah, actually it was. So TIFF 2 uh, was, a, was a cool story. Uh, I think we just started our university, my, my studies on the university for one month. I think it was within the first course that um, we had a guest lecture of an uh, uh, older student or he was just finished the studies i believe um and he was talking about the startup he just launched and and what he did and how he got there and how he worked on that and it was so inspiring that during this course i decided i need to launch my own startup just right now today so i just talked a bit with some guys with, uh, I was sitting next to, like, uh, this is cool, right? Yeah, 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 it's cool. Okay, let's just start something. So the next week we launched the the, the TIFF2, um, went to the Chamber of Commerce, did our registration, and then we had a company, but we had no clue what to do whatsoever. Mm. So it was one very big experiment with a couple of guys. And... Um, The initial plan was indeed to to create sort of well, a co-working environment. We didn't have a location, but we had a group of people and we thought of crazy ideas. And it sort of didn't work out because I think we all agreed that it was cool to start. But most of the fellow uh, students I started with weren't really up to an entrepreneurial lifestyle so to say mm. so they just needed money um didn't have time to invest well half a year or a year in building up something and uh so that didn't really work out we did some some minor projects which was cool writing your first invoice and uh, uh, uh seeing how that works and how do you pay tax and all that kind of stuff it was good learning experience But not a really successful company. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Because I think what what is quite impressive is like that, that uh, even though that you were very young, mm -hmm. like you, you, I mean, you just said you just started studying, but then you said, okay, let's uh, found a business. Yeah. But what I find interesting is that with everything that you do, um, it comes a little bit down to the bleep concept of bringing people together. Yeah. Because um, you could have set up this. Um, Yeah, maybe like co-working space yourself and say like, okay, but I'm the boss. But it's more like that you try to, yeah, bring like the people together to be like in councils, to be like in those kind of things. Like, what do you think, where where does this mindset come from? Like, is that something that was always instilled in you and you don't really think about it that it's natural? Or how is that, how are you wired like in, in that way? Yeah, that's actually a really, <laughs> really good <laughs> question. Ther therapy session. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure, actually. I, I think that's something I really learned at Bleep. There, the environment was created to well bring people together and, and say the, the value is within bringing people together. And 
the the actual business will roll out of that and come come from that come from people people bring people together i think that's where i learned how to work with that um i also think that the my experience my early experience in the in the blockchain community really contributed to that because there everything as well uh, especially in the early days everything was open everyone wanted to talk about it um wanted to share ideas uh, technology uh, every everything was open that that's sort of how these two things came together and and how i ended up with that i think it's important to bring people together and mm. and uh, if you bring people together and have the same mindset and 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 the same openness to to new stuff then i think new value will come from that it's a very rich mindset like that not not everyone also also has this kind of uh, thinking you know it's no. a very visionary thinking yeah. in the end i think um i i call this this chapter this introduction ch chapter row by row uh, because i think you also just mentioned it you met, uh, texted someone from that you know from from rowing yeah uh, which is i think yeah, rather uncommon uh, hobby i think yeah <laughs> uh, and you also did it competitively yeah uh, how did you get into rowing yeah that's um uh also a bit of a history story i, I during my youth so my my early youth i always used to ice skate also on a competitive level already when i was nine years old i believe and i was to be to to become the new sven kramer so the, the new big guy in, in ice skating that was my my thought at least um, but then when i was uh, 11 my parents decided to sell everything they own And uh, they took us on a journey around the world with the with the sailboat. So we started sailing for two years and explored our, explored the the world and the, and the seas. And, and I learned a lot of that as well. So that I think the big part of my personality comes from that journey as well. Um, but then we came back two years later, and all the guys I was competing with. Before we went off, they had two years of training on the ice and I had two years of sailing <laughs> in the tropical areas. So yeah. there was no ice yeah. and uh, and I just was way behind. I tried to, I was, I, I believe I was skating that winter for five, five days a week. Every night I was going out, but um, was just the ice skating in the Netherlands is so competitive. If, yeah. if you're behind, then you're behind really, really quickly. That's amazing. Also, a, a very interchangeable youth, right? So, in in all those like maybe more creative environments, uh, your parents uh, selling everything and like going on a two-year uh, sailing trip, which is absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, did you realize by the time what your parents did? You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, like yeah, if yeah. if you think about it now, like from maybe like a more adult perspective, like what it takes, like for you now to say like I'm selling everything and I go uh, travel the world, selling everything and having two children or like no two children, yeah, three, three children, yeah, yeah. Um, it's quite a quite a big risk. Did you realize by the at the time like what kind of risk they also took and what kind of adventure it is or? Is that as a child you not not really? That's an interesting story on my on my parents' uh, uh, side. They they took a really big risk, and to me it was most most of more of a fun story. Mm. Yeah. Well, next year I'm not going to school because uh, I will be at sea. 
and um and i'm looking forward to it and it, it never occurred to me that it, it, it's pretty hard to just go out on the ocean and sail and teach your children and uh, make sure they're healthy make sure they're safe and make sure you have enough uh, funding to do it yeah. um, also when when you come back how do you reintegrate so they they took a big risk uh, and I, I'm very happy I never felt anything about it yeah. because for me it was just one major big a adventure. And over the years I heard the stories about how they had to deal with uh, uh, all the schooling systems in yeah, the Netherlands. And they're, they're really strict and well, uh, where do you live? Where do you get your post? Uh, uh, well, all those little things mm. that come to a full stop if you just decide to leave the country and, and, and get get away, yeah. That's really crazy. It's so interesting how people also develop out of those kind of experiences, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think for you, I have more the feeling that you are a very open, very, um, I mean, also for the podcast, like there was one message like, oh yeah, sure, I'm like happy to help. So yeah. you were immediately like, oh, let's do it, let's jump on board. And I think, um, this kind of mindset you could also see like at bleep that you see someone code and then instead of like saying okay cool maybe at one point i chat with him you just go there and like say hey can i learn it can i yeah, look, yeah, look yeah, over yeah. your shoulders that really really helped you did it come then also naturally to you i mean you were rowing you were working in several startups you founded yourself already a couple of things did it come natural for you then with all your passion also in blockchain to to found a, a rnm blockchain yeah, that, that, that was actually uh, a bit of a coincidence. Um, so I was doing this blockchain journey, Bitcoin. It was mostly Bitcoin and Litecoin uh, back then. Uh, journey together with a, a friend from my high school. Um, but after high school, he went to uh, to Delft, to the technical university, and I stayed in Amsterdam. Um, so we called a lot, but we didn't really see each other that often anymore because until then we saw each other daily and we had daily updates about well did you read this did you read that mm. um, and that stopped and so i was doing my own thing he was doing his and uh, and we kept each other up to date but yeah that that was a, was not really big anymore um until i met uh, uh Mikael, um who is sort of my partner in crime with the RNM blockchain company? That's Rorik and Mikael. Um, and I, I think it was at the drink of our study association, and we just bumped into this conversation of blockchain, and we, we felt like, hey, we are in this together, and we're on the same page. We understand each other when we talk about this, and there's a, really a few people in this world. Uh, up to that point that can talk about this stuff mm. so we started to share just like i did on the high school we start started to share on a daily basis our thoughts and findings and new projects that were popping up and uh, new investments we could make um and that went so on i think that was in 2016 or something that we met each other and then uh from that point on the the, the first big ICO uh, funding bubble, uh, Ethereum was just launched and they uh, made it really easy to fund some uh, stuff through blockchain. Um, so there were all these projects popping up. They were all raising loads of funds. Um, and 
and you get, could easily make a lot of money from it. So we were busy on that and some friends and, and family around us, they heard our stories and were sort of feeling a bit of, uh, of FOMO. And we got more and more questions like, yeah, can you help me? And at first you go sit with your friend and then you help him. And then you say, oh, you have to be aware of all those pirates and all those cowboys. And uh, mm. this is where you can sort of start safely. Um, but then at some point we, we both had our calendar full with people we wanted to help. <laughs> and we said like, hey, we have 20 people for the next three weeks. Let's just do a workshop together. Mm. Let's just put some uh, PowerPoint slides uh, together and uh, give them a workshop and uh, put that in as a sort of our trial workshop to see if that fits what they need and what we want to uh, tell them. And it was really successful. So we did a bunch of these workshops and at some point we started uh, charging a bit for it. Um, we really believed it was really important to keep the fees low, uh, to give it access to students and make sure that everyone that wants to come had no uh, financial boundary to, to come or not to come. I think there was actually commercially seen, it was way more interesting to say a, a ticket is 100 or 200 euros. Uh, but we had our own bubble of, of people that were interested in it. Uh, and um, yeah, from there on, we started doing some other projects. Um, so besides the, the workshops, we started doing meetups. Uh, one was here at, uh, at the WeWork as well. Um, and we had a couple of other cool sort of off the grid locations in a clothing store. And, uh, and then we just assembled a bunch of people to talk about the future of Ethereum and, and stuff and talk about, well, where is it in, in five years time? And uh, uh, if I look back at that, time now that was really exciting really uh, inspiring uh, we met a lot of people we were sort of on on top of the technology uh, all updates we knew about everything uh, that was going on uh, we knew about all the projects that were popping up we knew about all the scams that were popping up as well mm. and uh, that was really really exciting so that that's a bit how that developed over time uh, during my studies yeah. super cool yeah if I would meet you at the at a hotel lobby and we would not know each other and I would have no idea uh, who you are and also what you do, how would you explain uh, what you do and how would you explain uh, what blockchain is if I would have zero <laughs> knowledge about it? <laughs> yeah, that's always the million dollar question. What is blockchain in two sentences? If we just meet each other, I, I think I would start with the story that I educate people in blockchain. And that um, that's something I think is really important. That there's some uh, that that crypto is interesting, blockchain is interesting. But what's really really interesting is the philosophy and the the, the way of thinking that's behind it. And um, and I am the one of the guys that focuses on that aspect and and to to educate people on not only get a get rich on crypto but also know what the story behind it is and why this is, is such an important movement i think if i can tell you that story I, then we're off to a great start and then uh, uh, well what blockchain is in in two sentences is uh, is a way to decentralize everything all our centralized mindsets organizations structures 
give the power back to the people. Mm. And what is that also like that uh, element that fascinates you most about uh, blockchain? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, so the I think that the projects that are most promising in in my view are the projects that are able to implement this decentral thinking and organizing in a good way. So uh, you see a lot of projects that have some decentral aspects and they have some aspects on how do we sort of cut out of, cut out the middlemen, but they have also a high promise on centralization over time. So mm. it looks decentral, but then over time they will become more centralized again. And I think there's a, a few few concepts and, and parties that are re doing a really good job to keep everything decentral. And that's where my interest is, yeah. Mm. Because it's quite interesting, like also when you follow the news closely um, on crypto or on blockchain, uh, there are also always those uh, negative voices in the in the market. Um, of course, sometimes also induced by um, people that might be uh, more interested, speaking of uh, governing bodies or central authorities yeah. that are not a big fan of like um, uh, decentralized. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big issue for them. Yeah. Can you maybe explain a little bit why they are so interested in getting this negative publicity uh, out there? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's a bit of a complicated relationship with central author uh, authorities and, and banks and all that kind of stuff because Bitcoin, for example, started out as an alternative for, for money. That was the, the, the big, big gross idea behind it. And um, banks should be adopting it. That that's something that the communities say. But also, should banks adopt it, or should we just replace them and say you don't have any say in this anymore? And the same goes for central authorities, uh, governments, uh, institutions, uh, the, the big parties. You want them to embrace it, but you also want them to fully embrace it and not not partially. There's a lot of potential in in disrupting their uh, uh, their power and their position within the within the society. So some of the negative news is definitely coming from that direction. I believe it was uh, yesterday there was a, a big announcement that forty percent of the young people owns Bitcoin or or uh, other crypto assets and. Um, but it's still very risky, but because most of them don't know anything about how it works. And I think that's partially th true, actually, but it's also that you don't know how it works until you start using it. Mm. Yeah, and it also makes job distinct, right, in the future, like uh, yeah. if you think of uh, notaries. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For so th that, that's that's where the, the real threat is. The, 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 the middleman in, in this industry, and that there's a lot of middlemen in in. In, in the in current society, so notaries is a really clear example of it. But there's many, many parties that sort of sit in between two parties that want to just cooperate or make a deal or anything. And then there's parties, sometimes it's just one, but sometimes it's many parties that all want to have their stake mm. for a simple, really simple transaction in the end. Um, so those are the parties that really have to, well, they, they won't be per se be, become extinct, uh, but they really have to rethink their value proposition. Mm. 
and their pricing. It, yeah, and their pricing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is my is my value proposition? Is it in in my sign? Is it in 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 signing a document, or is it in making sure my client gets the right document? Yeah, exactly. And you also talked a little bit about the the knowledge um, of of the of blockchain and crypto that like the majority are not really um, in, informed about it. Um, what do you think is like the the biggest misconception about blockchain currently? Oh, that's a that's a really really good question. I think that it depends a bit on who you ask, of course. But I think for many people, it's still a well, yeah, but maybe if I buy some Bitcoin, it will be hacked. I think that's a really big misconception because there is Bitcoin, well, not really hacked. Bitcoin is not hacked or or any crypto is not hacked, but the, the parties that um, centralize Bitcoin, so the exchanges, those can be hacked if you hack the the wallet of a big exchange, then you have a big, big amount of Bitcoin uh, 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 that you can attract, uh, uh, extract from that. Mm. But Bitcoin itself is not hacked. And if you start to understand how this mechanism works, then there's no reason for it. Mm. Yeah, so th th I think that's a big misconception with, uh, with a, a lot of people that it's all still cowboys and and uh, and scammers but yeah well that those are still in the in the industry but those are in many industries i i think and uh, the only thing is that there's no central authority in the crypto community that can say well this this guy is bad so we uh, put him in prison mm. that's not happening so you have to be careful for yourself and understand what how it works and then i think well in most cases you'll be fine yeah do you also then like look a little bit critically at guys like uh, Elon musk or something who is sometimes trolling and playing yeah. around yeah, is, yeah, is, yeah. is that all? because i mean that all, always scratches a little bit also uh, on an image of uh, really good technology in the end right yeah yeah so i i think that's an excellent uh, example i can laugh about it a lot i don't really trade on tweets of Elon Musk, uh, but I, I can really enjoy looking at the effect it has. Mm. Uh, and there's many people that say, yeah, because of uh, this volatility by Elon Musk, by the fact that he tweets something and, and the market reacts so this drastically, that says that it's all a scam. But But that's not it. It's just the... I think there's a lot of still people playing with their money and experimenting. And also a lot of, that's also a thing that there's a lot of people that just accidentally got really rich, but don't really know how to get their money out without paying a lot of tax. Mm. So they are sort of, they are carte blanche and can do anything they want. No, but I think it's it's just fun to see this stuff happening and not really worried about it or I, I also don't really encourage it the way he treats it but mm. I think it's uh, 
at least makes me laugh uh, from time to time. Yeah, <laughs> I think everyone. Yeah. But I find quite interesting. I listened to a podcast recently and they also talked about um, a, a crypto and blockchain technology. And um, uh, he mentioned as an example, which I found quite cool uh, to say, like, for example, imagine you want to uh, give pictures or holiday pictures to your grand, grand, grandchildren and you put them on, uh, I don't know, Dropbox. But at one point, uh, like either like, I don't know, maybe your password gets hacked and they, uh, you cannot access it anymore. Yeah. Or uh, at one point, your, your granddaughter forgets to uh, pay the fee for the, for the Dropbox. The, the pictures will ultimately go, be gone. Yeah. Um, and with blockchain, things like this would not happen because you would have the longevity of this yeah. kind of project. And I found that like a really cool um, visual example for yeah. the uh, easy man like me um to to realize ah, okay you know so this can can be used like this yeah. for example yeah. blockchain yeah. um and you worked like in a couple of uh, cool projects um do you also maybe have other examples um or cases that you've worked on that you think like this is for example how the blockchain technology uh, can be used yeah um yeah so that i i think one uh, there's two good examples I, I worked on myself um, which are not yet adopted I know there's some some parties uh, working on it uh, as we speak but it's a bit hard because of uh, uh, rules and regulations uh, one is um, putting your shares on the blockchain and say okay we just ditch those big stock exchanges I say I have no shares for a stock exchange, but I just tokenize my company. Mm. My company is now 1 million uh, RNM tokens and uh, everyone who possesses a token is, is part, partly uh, an owner. And then the, the, the next question is, okay, if you would like that, and there's a lot of companies that would really like that, do you want the, these tokens to be only financial tokens? So with financial benefits or also governance tokens. So if I have a token, I can also vote on company decisions. And how do we distribute that? In, in that way, you can easily give your employees part of the company as they work mm -hmm. and they can benefit from the work they actually put in. And, and that's where I think a, a lot of the blockchain industry is, is at this point of how do we figure out the to to match the current rules and regulations with the technology because the technology is easily able to do it it's really easy to create anything in well virtual ownership and and uh, decision making processes and all those kind of things created from the technology side that's i i wouldn't do it myself but i i believe it's quite easy and then make a connection towards okay how do we get this official mm. how do we actually make sure that if we get earn money we can transfer that money into ether or bitcoin and then give it to our token holders super nice i think it's uh, really interesting insights in, in blockchain and um Yeah, I also hope like it's not too salesy, you know. So we're not yeah. gonna give a giveaway any <laughs> any uh, uh, coin tips uh, for for now. Probably like that's yeah. where, where, where most people stick stick yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I also want to talk a little bit about you because I find it quite impressive that you um, found like all those companies and uh, you're busy with so many different projects. Do you think with like a um, uh, maybe creative but also entrepreneurial mind like yours? Uh, you also put uh, too much pressure on yourself sometimes? 
yeah for sure yeah and that that's pressure on myself and and only on myself so the i sometimes get the feeling that i need to make something big and but but that's not really important always to to make something really big and uh, i think pressure on myself works great to a certain extent but if you pass that that sort of perfect pressure to uh, then then it only becomes a burden and then mm. then you start working less efficiently and then you just running behind on everything and then then it's not really but but then it's really easy to put even more pressure on yourself mm. so that's taking this step back uh reflect and 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 then move forward that's something i've been working on for the last year or so and i think covid really helped with that to just really take a step back reflect and then move forward and make this cycle in order to make sure you don't put too much pressure on yourself yeah. and and escape and that uh, upside down spiral yeah, that you have yeah sometimes yeah, yeah. and and keep doing stuff you like and you get inspired from because mm. i think that that's some some lesson uh, that i've learned over the over the time that if you get into something and then at first it's really fun and then it becomes well more f uh, financially dependent or or anything and then you at a certain point you think like yeah I, i don't really get energy from this but it needs to work and i need to perform um i think then it's time to take a step back reflect and make sure you're still doing what you what you really like mm. i found it quite interesting that uh, on your linkedin profile you wrote Uh, both online and offline my values lie within discipline progression and passion yeah why do you make a distinction between offline and online um i think the 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 the, the offline part is in um, in how i like to educate people and i really think it's important for the way i educate to stand in front of a crowd and see how they react and respond and the, the blockchain theory and 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 uh, the technical stuff behind it is sometimes a bit mind-blowing if you go too fast so i need really need to see the how are those minds getting along with my story that's my offline part and offline journey and bringing people together in the in the same room to get inspired and, and to find new new stuff and the online part is because i I'm just fascinated with everything that's on the internet and that's happening online. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of my my interest. That's not not my sending area, so my the, the area I broadcast to uh, up till now at least. Um but more the where I find my resources and my my own inspiration and my own um, well, things to read and listen and watch yeah. Mm. yeah do you have a, a safe space because like yeah. when, when i think about you as uh, uh being also like too much pressure sometimes you know uh, having maybe like in that upside down spiral to to not fall inside but then going on the internet is probably dangerous for you to uh, yeah. read about blockchain <laughs> news and then <laughs> get sucked in again yeah Where, where's your safe space like how do you switch off that's really actually easy yeah and it really popped up immediately uh, in my mind i um when i was in my second year of my studies i um i just lived on my own so i went, got a room here in amsterdam um and um, 
well, my father emailed me like, hey, uh, look at this advertisement of this boat. And uh, maybe you should just ditch this expensive room in Amsterdam and start living on, on a boat because it's way cheaper. If you do a good good buy of a, uh, if you do a good deal on a boat, then you easily get, if you pay five to 600 euros a month for your room, and you have to study for at least two, three years, then you can buy a pretty decent boat for that money. So I did. So two weeks later, <laughs> it took a while before we went to look at the first first sailing vessel. Um, but I, yeah, I I think that's because I, I grew up sailing and the first boat I, we went to look at, uh, I was immediately sold and I bought the boat, um, which was a bit large chunk of my crypto uh, back then. It was, I think, in 2016, 17 or something. And uh, it took a large part of my crypto, but it did some good trades and investments. Mm. So I had uh, quite some financial freedom to say, okay, I, I can put in collateral for this boat. Mm. So we're still a bit sorry for that because... Uh, my boat is actually quite expensive right now. <laughs> you <laughs> convert it back, one expensive but I've, it, it it immediately became my safe space. Yeah. It's where I felt home immediately from day one. It was a big project boat, so it was rusty and there, there, it needed some attention and love. But if I'm on the water on my boat, then everything that's in happening in the world and in the crypto space that just falls off my shoulders, and then. Um, yeah, sort of free again. Super nice. Yeah. Really nice. I, I recently read an interview of a guy. He uh, was uh, trading with Bitcoin in uh, 2011. Yeah. And he saw, said he bought uh, a pizza yeah. for two Bitcoins. Yeah, 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 I know that story. <laughs> yeah, that's a really, really expensive pizza. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's really nice. Yeah. I think I slowly want to bring home the the podcast. I think yeah. um, cool. it it was amazing uh, to to get to know you from like the different angles because I think um, so much of what you are now is was instilled yeah. like years ago, uh, working for Bleep, having this community yeah. thought, um, maybe also a little bit this decentralized thought of yeah. Uh, yeah, the yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, company, yeah. Uh, but also I think the experience on on water, like the sailing, the rowing. Uh, and then going back in your student time, like on uh, on the water again. So I think a lot of things are really like instilled into your personality yeah. um, that really, really pays off now. And um, I think, yeah, without any doubt, you're in, a, in the industry, which is <laughs> which has a bright future. I don't have yeah. to ask you what are you going to do in two, three years. I think that's, uh, that's quite clear. Um, but before we leave off, um, I always have three final questions for every guest. Yeah. Um, the first question is, what are you not very good at right now and you want to become better at? Yeah, I had a, I listened to a couple <laughs> of, uh, of your podcasts, so I knew these questions were coming and this one actually was a hard one for me to, to wrap my head around because there's obviously many things I, I can bring up, but I think what, what's most frustrating for me, uh, something I'm not really good at is sometimes just put on this tunnel vision and start digging and working and just say, okay, this is the goal. Uh, we set this goal and start working on it and finish it and then look at, okay, what did we do? I always tend to say like, if along the way I find something that does not really feels good, I think it's not good. 
So mm. then I say, okay, well, let's first find out what's missing and then we might go further. But then a lot of stuff just stops. Mm. That's what I encountered with my studies. So when we had a course and a teacher was explaining something and I saw a flaw or anything that I couldn't wrap my head around in a formula. And then I ask, how does this work? And then teacher says, oh, well, yeah, that's something we can discuss, but it's not really relevant for the course. So uh, let's not focus on it. Then the formula, in my head, the formula doesn't work. So then I stopped doing my uh, work on that course and it would have been way easier if I just said, okay, let it go and work on it and then do the exam and finish it. Mm. So focus is really something that you... Yeah, I think I need some some more focus, some, some yeah, some specific focus. I'm, I think that's also due to my nature of finding everything interesting. Mm. So it's also something that's good about me, I guess, but there should be a bit more of a balance in that, mm. yeah. But uh, the New Year's resolution are just around the corner. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which title would you give this chapter of your life? Um, there's a, a. I'm feeling some big change in in the most recent months, and uh, and that's mostly I read some books and did some digging, and I concluded that I am slowly losing my inner child. And becoming more sort of responsible and uh, dependent on stuff and afraid of experimenting and just going into it and, and, and finding stuff. So I would define this chapter going back to my inner child and saying, okay, I need to keep this creativity and this lack of fear and just going for it. That's something I need to, well carry all the way to until i'm old um i need to keep it alive get that back and uh so going back to my inner child yeah yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. and last question if you could send a sms to every mobile phone in the in this world uh, what would you say yeah the i would say um uh i was also a bit i would, first i thought power to the people because i think that's what the blockchain is uh, is all about mm. uh, but that's sort of is calling for action and going on the street so i would say uh, power is in the people power, power is in, in the people that's yeah. nice that's yeah. powerful cool Rorik, thank you so much for being part of the podcast yeah uh, super you. super excited to launch this episode yeah and uh, good luck with all your future endeavors yeah thank you for uh, for having me thank you for listening to another amazing episode of the 301 podcast this was actually the first blockchain specialist that I've heard that was not after the buzzwords and getting as much attention as possible. But he was really someone who is convinced by the philosophy of the blockchain technology. Be careful where you invest your money and your time. And we are back with another episode in two weeks. Until then, stay safe. Yours truly, Marcus.